The Cold War between China and the U.S. has escalated sharply, with a former U.S. diplomat saying the two could be on the brink of an out- outright conflict. On Tuesday, Washington ordered the Chinese consulate in Houston to close within three days. Beijing has condemned the move, which comes at a time of already fraught relations between the two world's biggest economies. Former Ambassador to China Winston Lord warns that tensions between the U.S. and China could escalate to conflict in the Taiwan Strait or South China Sea. President Tsai Ing-wen says her administration is following the developments closely. On July 21st, the U.S. government demanded that the Consulate General of the People's Republic of China in Houston close within 72 hours. This video was taken as an accidental fire broke out in the consulate caused by an employee burning classified documents. President Donald Trump latched onto that detail. As far as uh, closing additional embassies, it's always possible. You see what's going on. We thought there was a fire in the one that we did close. And everybody said, there's a fire, there's a fire. And I guess they were burning documents or burning papers, and I wonder what that's all about. The U.S. State Department believes that China's embassies in the U.S. are home to espionage operations. The Houston Consul General Tsai Wei strenuously denied that. Because I, I, I feel I have done, we have done nothing wrong. You say the lies or the untruths some, uh, hundreds of times. That doesn't mean it's true. It's still mean and it's still lies. Are you saying the State Department is lying? I didn't, I didn't mention that. I if we want to make accusation for us, give us some evidence. This is a unilateral political provocation from the U.S. toward China. Lord, a former U.S. ambassador to China, believes that if tensions continue to escalate, they could reach the point of outright conflict. He warns that an accident or Sarajevo incident could even trigger military hostility in the South China Sea or Taiwan Strait. We will respond appropriately when necessary. This entire process will indeed impact not only U.S.-China relations, but many other countries in our region. It is therefore worthy of our close attention. If relations in the Taiwan Strait could come under strain, or if there's a minor incident that could spark a war, then it could give the U.S. a bigger excuse to use its military power more substantially and really get involved, not just in the South China Sea, but also to enter the Taiwan Strait. If the U.S. continues to provide more support to Taiwan, politically, economically, or militarily, then I think this could aggravate China in that regard. After years of trade disputes and military grandstanding, now the U.S. and China seem on the brink of a diplomatic crisis. Taiwan's government is on high alert. The KMT's candidate for the Kaohsiung mayoral election, Jane Lee, has become engulfed in scandal after it emerged that her master's thesis was almost entirely plagiarized. Lee has sought to deflect calls for her to step down from the race by offering to renounce her degree. However, the awarding body, National Sun Yat-sen University, says it is not possible to renounce a degree. The university's investigation into the plagiarism is ongoing. And meanwhile, members of the public have sought out the names of senior academics who oversaw Lee's studies. KMT Secretary General Li Qianlong shakes his head as he speaks about Jane Lee's thesis plagiarism. Party Chairman Johnny Chang looked equally embarrassed by the topic. Other KMT lawmakers were at a loss for how to answer questions about the scandal. The party will, um, it will consider it thoroughly in a comprehensive context. 
If 96% of it wasn't her writing, then it's plagiarism. No doubt about it. Could you plagiarize 96% of a thesis? That would be impossible for me. As the scandal grows, the personal details of Lee's former academic supervisor and the examiners of her oral defense have been sought out and publicized by internet users. Her supervisor, Ling Dechang, was then the head of the Institute of Mainland Chinese Studies at National Sun Yat-sen University. Her defense examiners included Zhao Su-chen, then head of Chinese Society and Economy at National Zhengzhi University's Institute of International Relations. Another was Zhu Jingpeng, current vice president of National Donghua University. Zhu has also served as deputy commissioner of Hualien. He chaired the Research Development and Evaluation Commission during Ma Ying-jeou's administration. We can only draw a conclusion based on the results of the investigation. I will not express an opinion on the media's commentary at this time. If the reality is as the media describes, if that is the final verdict, then that is indeed rather more serious. My youthful thoughtlessness has caused a controversy over academic ethics. As I stand here today, I must apologize and show how willing I am to accept responsibility. I hereby announce that I renounce my Master of Arts from National Sun Yat-sen University. Lee appeared emotional after several days deep inside the scandal. She made this announcement on Thursday after a religious ceremony to mark the launch of her campaign. I have applied to the Kaohsiung Mayoral Election Committee, asking for that degree to be removed from my educational history in the electoral notice. I'm looking forward to everyone returning to the main concern, that is to say, the political manifestos of the mayoral candidates. Members of the new power party and activist group We Care Kaohsiung have called on Lee to withdraw her candidacy and the KMT to revoke her nomination. As I see it, the nomination has been concluded. The lots have been drawn. After that, there's no question of a withdrawal. For the KMT, this election represents our sense of responsibility towards Kaohsiung. We'll fight to the end, of course. The KMT's vice secretary general rejected the calls for Lee to bow out of the race. But if the fallout of the plagiarism scandal continues to grow, it could engulf Lee's party. Merchants paid in triple stimulus vouchers this past week can now cash them in. Exchange counters opened at banks nationwide on Thursday, and the deputy minister of finance stopped by several major banks to inspect voucher handling. At the Bank of Taiwan's headquarters in Zhongzhen District, four counters have been set aside to process vouchers. Huanan Bank has sent staff into commercial districts to offer cash for vouchers and save merchants the trip to the bank. This merchant has come with a fat wad of vouchers. She's here to trade them in for cash on the first day of the exchange period. To speed up the process, many merchants came prepared with the requisite forms. Banks were also battle-ready. Bank of Taiwan created a dedicated service area with four exchange counters for vouchers and three inspection checkpoints. After an initial visual inspection, the bank clerk feeds the vouchers into a bill counter. They're eventually sent to the bank's headquarters, but not before passing three checkpoints for the detection of fake vouchers. 
Over these four days, it will be more concentrated. We've held 48 briefings online. Every business unit has two sets of samples. The banks have prepared more than 12,000 counterfeit detectors and mobilized a great deal of manpower to support the operation. To expedite exchange, merchants should stamp the back of each voucher with a uniform invoice chop. They can also fill out a redemption form in advance online, providing the name of the business entity, its business ID number, and the name of the responsible person. Leave nothing blank so that you won't get tied up at the counter. To speed up processing even more, one bank sent staff into commercial districts to offer on-site exchange. Merchants can skip the trip to the bank. These pop-up counters accept vouchers and send their value directly to a bank account. Ever since the program opened on July 15th, July 16th, revenue has gone up by 5,000 or 6,000 NT a day. We've set up exchange points in business districts in order to provide merchants with the highest quality service. So far, we've already exchanged vouchers with tens of millions. It's only day one and already vouchers are streaming in, with one bank reporting exchanges worth tens of millions. The first week is expected to be the peak period for the cash exchange. The Hakka Affairs Council has extended the registration deadline for its $800 NT voucher lottery after a surge in traffic took down the online system on Wednesday. That day, registration had opened up to individuals under 65 years old. The system went, up, went back online on Thursday, featuring a new simplified interface. Officials have extended the registration deadline by two days to July 28th. The lucky draw winners will be announced on July 29th. The fan page for the voucher scheme is full of complaints. One comment reads, Of all the subsidies, the Hakka vouchers are the hardest to apply for. Another person asks, Why can't it be as easy as the agriculture vouchers? Internet users say the Hakka stimulus is making them jump through the most hoops. Thursday was day two of registration for the voucher lottery. At 8.26 in the morning, the scheme's official line account sent an announcement saying testing was underway and users should not register before 9 a.m. Then, just five minutes before 9, it sent another message asking people not to sign up. The message said the registration requests had exceeded the system's limit, triggering the app's anti-hacking mechanism. Registration for the Hakka vouchers kicked off Wednesday and then crashed. The council said it would repair the system by 5 p.m. that day but users were still getting a system under maintenance message on Thursday. There were problems from the very beginning, starting with the design. But this doesn't affect my willingness to apply for the Hakka tourism vouchers. The system for the Arts Fund Go vouchers was also very laggy, so it must be that all these systems have to snag once or twice. Online registration was used to distribute 5 million agriculture vouchers. It's being used to give away 4 million vouchers for sports-related spending. The Arts Fun Go scheme used its own phone app to distribute 2 million vouchers, which saw its share of technical difficulties. As for the Hakka travel vouchers, applicants have to use Line to enter the drawing. Only 280,000 vouchers are up for grabs, but that was still enough to overload the system. The system was up and running once again at 11 a.m. on Thursday. The council has simplified the interface and extended the registration period by two days to July 28th. The winners of the lucky draw will be announced on July 29th. Taipei Zoo's baby panda, nicknamed Roro, was briefly reunited with her mother Yuan on Tuesday, 25 days after her birth. During the reunion, Yuan picked up the sleeping baby panda and embraced her. 
Zookeepers say if Roro continues to gain weight, she can officially be returned to her mother for nursing. Taiwan uses about 5 billion paper lunchboxes and more than 2 billion paper cups a year. That's a lot. But most paper products are actually unrecyclable because of their plastic lining. A pulp manufacturer has created a more earth-friendly alternative. Paper cups and containers that contain 0% plastic. It's reduced the carbon footprint of its products and made them all fully recyclable. When most people finish their drinks, they sort the lids and cups into proper recycling bins. However, most paper cups today contain a plastic lining. In order to be more environmentally friendly, a pulp manufacturer has developed products that are made completely from paper and contain no plastic. These products, which include cups, lids, straws, and even sealing films and inner linings, are all made from paper pulp. Most paper cups, in order to be waterproof, oil-resistant, and heat-resistant, are lined with a layer of PE or PP plastic. We don't have that, so it's beneficial when the product returns to the paper waste system. To prove the product is made only with paper, he tears a paper cup into pieces and puts them in a blender. The pieces of the two products are blended into pulp and compared. The pulp of the lined paper product is shown to contain bits of plastic. In comparison, the pulp of the 100% paper product is much more environmentally friendly. The manufacturer provided data for further comparison. The average carbon emission of a plastic lined paper cup is about 20 grams, while that of the 100% paper cup is about 10 grams. Taiwan uses more than 2 billion paper cups and approximately 5 billion paper lunchboxes in a year. That's about 100,000 metric tons of paper. Last year, the US-China trade war caused the prices of pulp to plunge. This year, the prices were influenced by the pandemic. In addition to our products shifting us toward a circular economy, we also hope it will be beneficial to our revenue. Plastic waste has long exacted an environmental toll. The company hopes that its new line of 100% paper products will offer consumers peace of mind and help Taiwan reduce its carbon footprint. The epidemic has many performers taking on extra jobs for more income. During these times, a magician called Magic Jack has also been working as a food delivery worker, but his deliveries are hardly ordinary. Magic tricks are delivered with the food. For Magic Jack, all the world's a stage. Let's take a look. The delivery man brings a basket of soup dumplings. But wait, there's nothing inside. Uh, okay. uh, it's food delivery with magic, courtesy of Magic Jack. From Mondays to Fridays, my performances are sporadic so I can do this in my free time. In addition to passing the time and earning a little pocket money to help out at home, I do it mainly because it's another space for learning. I always prepare a pack of cards so that if I get recognized, I'll show them some skills. During deliveries, he sometimes meets his fans. For Magic Jack, even giving change can be turned into a trick. He pulls out real money from his phone. He conjures a pack of beer from his clothes. Though he's lost lots of shows due to the epidemic, Magic Jack earns extra money as a delivery worker and even uses the delivery platform as another stage. Magic shows are on a stage, but in fact, deliveries are also a stage. You can tell more clearly what the audience is thinking, and if you know what they're thinking, you can perform more brilliantly on stage. However, Magic Jack only delivers when he doesn't have performances. So if you want to see the magician deliver food, you'll have to try your luck.
With all badminton world federation competitions called off due to COVID, life has much changed for world number one Dai Zing. In an interview with the BWF, the star shuttler shared details about her new normal. Let's see what she's been up to. Without any competition, there's little media exposure for me, so I hope everyone won't forget me. Dai laughs at her little joke. Her fans have been on her mind, it seems. Since the All England Open in March, all BWF competitions have been cancelled. Inquiring minds want to know, what has Dai been up to? The epidemic makes no difference to me because I hardly go out. I usually just watch TV series and do jigsaw puzzles. I only do it when I'm free, outside of training and rest. So I'd usually do the puzzles on my days off. Dai says she's a bit of a homebody, but she said that amid the pandemic, she's been venturing outside her old routine. I can actually put more emphasis on other off-court training. For instance, agility, high-intensity training, and we play other games such as beach soccer. Over these past few months, she's even given kickboxing a go. All this work is geared to one goal, the Tokyo Olympics. I'm taking this opportunity to get some proper rest after such a long period of intense competition and packed schedule. Now is actually a good time to rest and get ready for the Olympics. Although competitions are on hold, the Queen of Badminton has not sat idle. Outside of interviews, she is active on social media, sharing moments of her daily life. Taiwan's only island hopping marathon will kick off on November 1st in Penghu. The 2020 Gailardia Islands Penghu Cross Sea Marathon offers participants scenic views of the archipelago while they run. If a break is needed during the race, runners can stop at one of the many aid stations serving up local delicacies like lobster and oyster porridge. Registration for the marathon opened July 15th. Runners start along the coastline while enjoying the beautiful marine view. The marathon gets runners up close to local attractions, such as the Penghu Great Bridge and the Urukan Historical Village. Along the way will be aid stations offering local delicacies like lobster, cuttlefish balls, and oyster porridge. I think the biggest highlight is our aid stations. Over the years, our aid stations have always served up local food and Penghu specialties. This year, we added local lobsters. At the end of the race, the top five from each group will have a chance to bring home a big lobster. The fourth annual 2020 Gallardia Islands Penghu Cross Sea Marathon is internationally certified. This year, it will take place on November 1st. Runners can participate under several categories, including a 42km full marathon, a 21km half marathon, and a 5km race. Participants will run across the Xiyi Islet, over the Penghu Great Bridge, onto the Baisha and Zongtuan Islands, and end in Penghu Island, the largest island in the archipelago. In addition to the fact that the routes have been certified, we also especially emphasized our scenery. Penghu has great basalt formations. These formations are very beautiful and they are very rare in the world. There is space in planes and in lodgings for the participants' friends and their supporters. There is plenty of room to travel around. A market and concert will be held after the races to draw an end to the event. Registration for the 2020 Penghu Marathon opened July 15th. A family of internet-famous cats has made the leap from YouTube antics to merchandising. 
They're a family of chilled out house cats, the stars of a YouTube channel called Granny Huang's Harem Life, which has more than a million fans. Now a range of products based on the felines is up for sale at a pop-up shop in Taipei. These internet sensations hang out at home, watching nonchalantly as capsule toys roll toward them. They have more than 1.37 million fans online and are hailed as the cutest cats in Taiwan. Now they've even got their own line of capsule toys. They show off their athletic skills, starring as baseball players, track and field stars, soccer players, basketballers, and swimmers. At this newly opened pop-up shop, there's a Shinto shrine where visitors can take a cute photo. Of course, the capsule toy machines are a hit with the crowd too. I started watching their videos last year. I think they're cute and irresistible. That's why I came here. There are towels, postcards, even mugs. The range has attracted lots of visitors, including popular YouTuber Ray Du. I've been watching their videos for ages. This is like a real-life event. Once a year, they have a real-life meeting with people and provide new products because they have new things every season. This time, it's got a special sports theme. I think everyone needs this kind of positive atmosphere right now. It's a full house today at this summer pop-up. The economic potential of internet cats is certainly not to be sniffed at.